Well, 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 here we are coming off of the Easter Bunny 500 weekend uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, just kidding. No race this past weekend. And and uh, I got to give you credit. You, you said you said we should probably do a podcast. And uh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are ready to uh, record after the Easter Bunny 500. Yep, the Easter Bunny 500 where I won in fantasy points. Um, it's becoming kind of fantasy land for me. I haven't found a victory in a while, so I'm going to say that I won the Easter Bunny 500. And what'd the winner get? Nothing. <laughs> I, know, I know the loser for sure got peeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things uh, have no place in society other than decorations. No, I, I, saw, I saw a meme today. Uh, the proper way to eat peeps is to just, you know, stuff them in the trash can, so... We, uh, we talked about that last week, of course, but, um, well, hey, I, I have to uh, have to say to our, our listeners here tonight, I'm sitting here toasting an ice-cold Michelob Ultra Pure Gold, an organic organic ultra here. Uh, I have to have to toast to, uh, to Clark over here for being the, uh, the recipient, I guess I should say, of the Scotsman Guide for the Most Loans Closed down there in Toledo. Nice nice work over there. Not bad. Thank you. It was, uh, it technically was not the Most Loans Closed in Toledo, but it was uh, just kind of a nationwide um, type. You submit your numbers or your company submits your numbers for you, and uh, they select, you know, or they rank everybody's numbers and so most loans closed i was in the top x percent i believe it's they rank the top 10 percent of the country in loan officers and i was um within the top 10 percent and received the ranking so damn i appreciate it nice nice work i uh i guess i didn't read close enough uh even though i shared it i, I just didn't want to keep that up on my screen too long so i i liked it i shared it and i just kept scrolling so uh well yeah i mean my my face was on there, so I certainly understand not wanting to wanting to keep that up for very long. Right. You know, I, I did just kind of think, I have some really good pictures that I think would look really good photoshopped onto that picture of the uh, of the award winning thing there. Wonderful. <laughs> I I think that'd be uh, I think that'd be an easy thing to do. So uh, I will make that as a project. Uh, after we get done here tonight, but hey, good work. So if any of our listeners out there are looking for a loan, uh, Clark is your man right here. So we can, we can get you hooked up. Let us know. So with that being said, uh, an off weekend, uh, with Easter, but we are ready to roll into Martinsville Speedway this weekend, uh, heading into the paperclip down there in Virginia. And, uh, Clark, I know that's, uh, you and I's, uh, one of our favorite tracks. So, uh, what do you say we kick off this episode of Life in the Fans Lane podcast? Let's go racing. All right. So first things first, I want to mention to our listeners out there, uh, you may hear a little bit clearer now, and I am super excited. Got my mic figured out. You you watch. We're going to get this edited, and it's going to sound like shit still. So... Um, <laughs> you always sound like shit, so <laughs> there's no mic in the world that can save better you. to sound like shit than to look like shit <laughs> and we we're able to edit out those swear words a lot easier now so we'll keep this keep this clean 
Uh, so lot so of, yeah, a lot of poop in that in that portion of the podcast. Lot yes, of poop. yes, a lot of poop, a lot of poop in there. Uh, so let's jump into our weekend preview here as we head into Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Clark, I got to be honest with you, I did not look real closely. Excuse me, I did not look real closely at the uh, at the race preview for this weekend until yesterday, and uh, we have two night races on tap this weekend, <laughs> Friday and Saturday. No race Sunday. How about that? That's solid. Yeah, yeah, little uh, little prime time under the lights racing uh, at the paperclip, and uh, for our listeners out there, it's actually relatively new that they they just put lights in. I you haven't seen a night race there yet, have you? Uh, I have not, not in person. I was lucky enough to have a, a race move into the night, uh, but it actually didn't start as a night race. Um, when we went back in, I think it was 17. Um, and so, so it was cool. And, and so they installed all these led lights around the track and, um, it's kind of like the, the next level lighting system that they do at Martinsville where they have like LED lights and you'll see after the checkered flag, they're all going off like strobe lights and, uh, all kinds of craziness. So, um, whereas like some of the older racetracks, all they have is just normal lighting that you see at your local football field. So, um, but yeah, a couple night races on tap this weekend and, uh, we only have a double header this weekend. Uh, no trucks, which is actually surprising that the trucks used to find a, a mainstay here at Martinsville Speedway, um, twice a year. And, uh, this weekend we actually have the Xfinity series and the cup series. Um, so we will jump into the Xfinity series first. Uh, again, another, uh, more than full field with 43 drivers, uh, this weekend. Um, of course there's only 40 spots available. Uh, I'm not sure we've actually clarified that, but, uh, yeah, 40 spots available for the race, and um, yeah, completely full field. You know what? I Now that I'm thinking about it, I might actually have to check that because NASCAR is doing something different with qualifying. I, I can't remember if it's 43 spots uh, that they're doing right now because there is no qualifying, you know, so it may actually be 43. So um, I'll try to find that here before this episode ends. Uh, the Cup Series this weekend will not have to worry about that. Uh, 37 cars entered uh, for Martinsville this weekend. So um, just a bit shy of a full field. Um, but the paperclip always puts on a hell of a show. Got to love some short track racing. It's, it's only a, only a half-mile track. And they call it the paperclip because it's shaped like a paperclip. Correct. So Correct. So... Uh, yeah, short track racing is always, always fun, um, to, you know, I, I've always had a good time at Martinsville. I think I've been twice. Yeah, I think Maybe I've only been once. I, uh, I think you've been twice too. Yeah, th- man, we, we had those long trips where we drive all weekend just to get there and back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I think I've definitely been twice and it's, uh, you know, it's a good place I always I mentioned storylines multiple times throughout our episodes here, and it's definitely a good place for storylines to develop because there's not a huge uh, risk of injuring somebody at the paperclip if you dump them or turn them. Um, it's, a, it's a good payback so, payback location for sure. 
yeah, you'll see, you know, you, you get to see a lot of drama there. And then, uh, is that where Clint Boyer chased somebody, or was that a different track? Uh, that was Phoenix. Uh, but that's where that's Matt nice. Kenseth wrecked Joey Logano on purpose. Uh, <laughs> waited, okay. waited for him as he was lapped down and just ran him in the wall. So, one of the craziest moments in NASCAR history, and God, I wish I was there. Oh, man. And, yeah, and, and Jeff Gordon's you know, final victory that day, too. Oh, yeah. And last time I was there, um, now I'm starting to recall my last uh, last memory of Martinsville was um, Jimmy Johnson, under caution, put Junior a lap down, put his teammate a lap down, and it was a big controversy in the stands. There was a bunch of fans, of course, Junior fans, uh, flipping – him off flipping <laughs> jimmy off every single time he came by after he put his teammate a lap down um but it was uh i believe jimmy ended up winning that race uh, it was one of the like three or four wins i got to see of jimmy before he started not winning <laughs> yeah yeah right before he stopped stopped winning in 2017 for the the last three years of his career uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Martinsville uh, since we've both been there? Um, what, what do you like about Martinsville the most? Uh, and just like the, the trips that we've had there. Um, I, you know, I think the short, small track feel is fun. The drive to Martinsville from Michigan is actually always fun. I'm not a huge fan of long road trips and just sitting there, uh, with nothing to do other than talk to Derek, but, uh, you know, you get to drive through the mountains. Virginia's awesome, you know, um, so it's always cool to, cool to make that drive. And then when you get to the track, um, there's a ton of kind of traditions there. Um, one of which is the Martinsville hot dog. Oh, baby. And so <laughs> that, that is always an experience. Uh, if you do get the chance to go to Martinsville, you got to get one of their pink hot dogs <laughs> and get it loaded up. Now, we, we should probably explain. It's not just a normal pink hot dog like like every other hot dog is, right? Um, it is bright, bright pink. It's like an abnormal pink. It's really kind of weird. <laughs> but you know because it's a staple that you have to eat it. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I I remember my first time like taking a bite into it and just being like, dude, this thing's weird, but it tastes good. Yeah. And, you know, they load it up with, uh, I believe it's, what, chili and uh, coleslaw and yep. some other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think chili, coleslaw, so, and onions. And, and do you remember the price of that bad boy? No, I don't, but I'm getting two, hungry just thinking about it. Two two doll hairs. Two doll hairs, that's it. Two doll hairs. Yeah. That's you can't find a better deal in sports in my opinion. And guess what? Derek ended up spending about twenty doll hairs on Martinsville hot dogs last time we were there. I, I wish I wish that could period. be <laughs> I, I was gonna say I wish that was an exaggeration, but I, I really don't think it is actually. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean now that I've had them and like it's not one of those things that you get all the time, like 
I can't just go to the store and get a Martinsville hot dog. Uh, next time we go, I'll probably end up trying to beat whatever amount you're eating. <laughs> if it's if you eat eight, I'll eat nine. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a joke that could be made there, but I think we'll leave it right where it's at. Um, <laughs> so I remember like. And when you go down, because they're only two bucks, you get like, you get a full bag of them. Like that you can buy a, you know, 10, 12, whatever. I mean, 12 is a bit excessive, but I mean, I, I'm sure it's been done. I don't know what my record is, but it has to be pretty close to that. And I mean, you just, you throw them in the bag and you just eat them throughout the race. How, how awesome is that? And then, you know, you got your beer that you can take in and, and, um, you don't have to pay for. So, <coughs> excuse me, it's probably the most affordable racetrack that I've excuse me, that I've ever been to. So I think my favorite part of Martinsville um, or going to Martinsville is I love the road trip. I mean, as, as we get older, um, I don't like to sit in a car for 12 hours. Um, it's because we, we typically do it in one shot. I mean, you want to get there. You don't want to dilly dally around as you're, as you're driving each day. And so the drive is okay. Um, but then once you're there at the hotel, like I think we've always stayed in, in Roanoke. Those your cats over there? Yeah. <laughs> hey! I forgot to hey! lock them up. <laughs> you you I, shut I up. I forgot to lock them up. <laughs> they're climbing all over the furniture and they're not, they're not making any noise, but I'm just, Derek and I are face, FaceTiming for the first time while doing this. And the reason that he noticed was because I'm like looking at, I'm just like staring behind me, like don't make any noise or <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a plan of attack here on how to get them wrangled up without interrupting the broadcast. And here we are. So, uh, now we've interrupted it successfully. <laughs> now we're here. We can't, we can't just throw a big bleep over this section. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the old, it's like the old television program where, you know, it goes offline and <laughs> uh, actually I, I did hear them. Uh, I didn't even see them. So I, I, I heard them rattling around back there or something. Yeah. I was checking like my microphone lines here just to see if it's picking up any of the noise mm-hmm. and it wasn't except for he, uh, Winston just jumped down from the couch and I heard a thud on the floor and I looked up and there was like a tiny little microphone line that, <laughs> where I picked up like the thud of him landing. So, gotcha. Um, All right. Well, we'll just continue this yeah. episode. And if you guys hear meowing, I mean, Derek's dog was eating in the background. What the hell? You know? <laughs> yeah. We, we ran a test of this program last night and I could hear his cats pretty loudly through here. So, uh, so don't worry about it if you, if you hear that. Um, yeah, so my my favorite parts of, of Martinsville are, are the drive. We stay in Roanoke, which is only about an hour from the track. Um, but, man, everything from, like, leaving in the morning, you leave super early, and you are cruising through the mountains. And it just reminds me, like, like mountains and farmland and um, curvy roads and... It reminds me of being in the country like here, right? Except for the mountains. Um, but it's it's the perfect drive to the racetrack, in my opinion. And then you you get closer to the track, and Martinsville sits kind of down in a bowl um, in, in Martinsville, Virginia, or um, 
or just outside of the city. And it kind of sits in the bowl and you get to the, all the parking areas and it's just hills upon hills. And it's just, it's so unique. And there's this old like train track that runs behind the, behind the racetrack. It's, um, I don't know, just kind of, kind of rustic and historic. Um, it's one of the oldest racetracks in NASCAR. Um, so you have all of that before you even get into the race. Then you have the hot dogs. Then you have the great racing. Um, Martinsville is 500 laps. There's no shortage of beating and banging. Um, and, and watching it on TV doesn't really do it justice because you can see so much more when you're at the track, right? Like you, you see so many like more almost wrecks when you're sitting in the corners at Martinsville. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, It's definitely one of those things where honestly watching on tv might be a little boring aside from uh you know some of the storylines that you can follow just because with it being a a very short track a lot of people will end up not on the lead lap it does allow for some you know if the racing is close um it does allow for some really cool racing even for tv but uh being at the track itself um really gives it a whole new experience. Um, you know, if you can get to a short track and see cup cars on track, uh, 37 of them on track, it's it's definitely a cool experience. And make sure that you take your earplugs if you do make it. <laughs> that, that was going to be the next thing I said. Uh, I typically don't wear headphones or, or um, earplugs when I go to a racetrack. Um, I, I probably won't be able to hear by the time I'm like 40. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, as long as I don't have to hear, hear you. Um, but I, I definitely wear earplugs at Martinsville. Like the, the gear ratios that they run in the cars are so much higher. So you have like the cars are louder, um, as they, you know, climb up through the gears and at the end of the straightaway, um, to be able to get the, the throttle down and everything like that. And it's super loud. My, my dad goes the entire race without wearing earplugs and I have no idea how he does it. I love the sound, but it physically hurts your ears. So I, yeah, I, I don't get how he does it. <laughs> yeah. The, the gear ratios. And then, uh, with it being such a short track, there's always a car in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a constant conveyor. Not a, <laughs> yeah. Like, at if you go to MIS or Talladega or Daytona or even any of the intermediates, for the most part, you have, you know, a 10, 15 second break in between having a car in front of you with the engine roaring. At Martinsville, it's like once they kind of get going, there's always a car in front of you with the with the uh, different gear ratios and things like that that make the engines louder naturally. So it's just constant noise, uh, which is actually a pretty cool uh, thing to experience. So yeah, you're you're right on top of everything too. Um, now we've we've obviously made a quick trip of things, and and we we typically leave the racetrack and we we drive about halfway home. Um, and I think one of the coolest things on the way home is. Oh, is it called Lover's Leap or something like that? I think. Do you remember that like huge outlook where over the over the mountains on the way back? I think that's what it's called. Um, but you just climb this mountain, and then at, at the very top, there's like this pull off where you can you can get off and take pictures. And um, I don't know, it's just something 
you know, we've done it every time, but it's just something you enjoy doing because it's like, okay, this is our Martinsville trip. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where you're just uh, in, you know, you pull over and you're, you almost, when you go on a vacation or when you go on a race, you almost want to make it a vacation, um, even if it is a short trip like Martinsville. Um, and that's just one of those things that kind of gives you the vacation feel um, while you're going up through the mountains. It's like, okay, I'm in the mountains. Let's stop, get out, take a break from driving and uh, take some cool pictures and just see for like miles um, while you're up on the mountain. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, the trip in general from Michigan to the track is just awesome. Um, and then the racing there is fun. And then Martinsville does a good job at making food cheap, putting on a good show. Um, you know, last time I was there, I think Kurt Busch caught on fire. Um, that So that was pretty cool to experience in person. Definitely didn't think I was going to see, like, a car on fire at a short <laughs> track. Um, and it wasn't one of those things where he got in a wreck. Um, Probably just had some brakes like catch on fire or something, I think. Yeah, I think he might have had some sort of like oil line leaking or something, plus the hot brakes. And then next thing you know, his engine caught on fire. And like right there, um, you know, you don't see that very often in NASCAR. So definitely uh, some unique things that happen at NAS- or at uh, Martinsville. So For sure. For sure. The load on those cars is, is so intense and um, especially the brakes. So, so yeah, uh, just a little bit about our experiences with, with Martinsville and it's a, it's a one of a kind place. So, uh, I will say even outside of, of NASCAR sanctioned short tracks, uh, man, we got summer coming up. Um, I am so ready to, to be going to some short tracks around here. Um, stayed away last year. They did have some fans last year. Um, I didn't really feel like it was a safe position for me to be at some of these racetracks. Um, but this year I, I already have, um, a couple singing engagements at, at the racetracks or at a, at a racetrack. And then, um, just love going to racing on a, you know, if on a Friday or Saturday night when you got nothing going on. So 15 bucks a pop to get in and, um, yeah, you can't beat it. So, um, but yeah, with that being said, uh, Clark, let's jump into our news this week. All right, first bit of news this week. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, of course, the former NASCAR Cup Series driver and full-time racer for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, him and his wife, Taylor, uh, welcomed their baby to the world on March 31st. Uh, he was on Baby Watch uh, last week at Bristol, and I think they had... Um, oh, I can't remember who they had sitting in his car just in case he had to leave for the baby, but... Um, but yeah, uh, welcome their first child. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek looks like he's about 12, so it's kind of weird to see that he's a, he's a dad. But um, in reality, I think he's like 25. But, um, but yeah, so they are new parents. Uh, you'll, Congrats, John Hunter. <laughs> J-H-N. And wife. <laughs> and wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll like this one. Uh, Pocono Raceway out there in Pocono, Pennsylvania. Uh, the triangular, uh, shaped racetrack, 
they have a they have a sign on their turn three uh, wall that says what turn four. Obviously, there's no turn four. Uh, so they have collaborated with Downriver Brewing Company uh, in Pennsylvania to uh, introduce a new beer called Wheat Turn Four. Wheat Turn Four. <laughs> it's a it's a mango hefeweizen. Is that how you say that? I sold beer for seven years and I don't know how to say that. So. Hef, hefeweizen. I think that's how you say it. Hefeweizen. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, um, so yeah, pretty cool. Uh, another the, brewery uh, getting involved uh, with Pocono Raceway. Uh, the NASCAR Throwback Weekend. Uh, one of the coolest weeks of the year. Uh, Darlington Raceway uh, coming up on Mother's Day weekend. Uh, that that. Uh, throwback weekend uh there are throwback paint schemes there are throwback uniforms there's other other throwback um things in and around the racetrack where they may maybe paint the walls differently people dress up it it was really designed to be um kind of a salute to the sports past and this has only been going on for five or six years and the nascar industry has just grabbed a hold of it and it is such a cool weekend um i want to i want to go check it out one of these one of these years um, but Chase Elliott announced, uh, Chase Elliott and, uh, restaurant chain Hooters announced that, uh, their Darlington paint scheme will honor, uh, former champion Alan Kowicki, uh, for his 1992 championship. Uh, so, uh, really a cool looking car, um, completely new look. So typically what they do, they, they match the paint scheme. They match the number font. Um, the cars look almost unrecognizable and the whole industry gets behind it. So, um, so yeah, Chase Elliott, uh, one of the first to announce uh, their throwback scheme. Uh, next on the news docket, the NASCAR Next Gen car, uh, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit um, at the end of the show about what the Next Gen car is. But uh, that race car has been testing uh, quite a bit this this week. Um, it tested at I'm sorry, test at Martinsville last week, um, and, and we'll touch on that here in a second as well. Um, and then it was on track again uh, today at Darlington Raceway. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're getting that all tuned up for a 2022 launch. Uh, they're out there doing Goodyear tire testing. And, and what Goodyear tire testing is, is they... Um, they run a different bunch, a uh, bunch of different tire compounds to make sure the the tires can hold up with the load that the car is generating. Um, they can hold up to the wear. Um, so if we if we think about Bristol a couple weeks ago, obviously the tires were wearing pretty quick as the track rubbered in. Uh, so so NASCAR is doing tire testing with Goodyear in preparation for next year. Uh, an interesting bit of news though with the next gen car um, in terms of where next year is. Uh, obviously they're moving to the next gen next year. Uh, but, uh, it came out this week that the, the next gen cars future on dirt is actually in question. Uh, so we had a very successful dirt race at Bristol. The fans are pumped up for it. And now it sounds like the next gen may not be able to be run on dirt. (laughs) What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, that's a real crapshoot. Yeah. Real Debbie Downer. <laughs> Not to be a, a stick in the mud there, but um, what they're saying is a lot of the components on the bottom of the car um, just are not going to handle well in the dirt. Um, it's not going to um, – it sounds like it may not clear the, the, 
bottom of the or uh, the dirt may not clear the bottom of the racetrack, or, or maybe there's just a lot of different um, components, which we'll get into on the next-gen car later. Um, now, one thing that they are talking about is they may run this year's um, version of the car at the Bristol Dirt Race next year. Obviously, that race has already been announced, um, so they would go to the complete new next-gen car, but they would keep you know, a couple cars to run the dirt race um, or this year's cars for next year to run the dirt race. So uh, kind of interesting. And, and I'm guessing in the future, because I do think that NASCAR has a future on dirt. I think that they will probably make modifications to the next gen car to run on dirt. But at this point they're, they're trying to have the teams focus on the next gen for um, the majority of the races, not dirt. If that makes sense. Uh, Carl Edwards. We talked about Carl a couple weeks ago, and we talked about him uh, doing an interview with Fox Sports uh, last Friday. Um, and he kind of made news uh, saying that he missed driving a lot, and uh, he, he would actually be open to a one-off race, um, preferably a road course race. Uh, there's a lot of NASCAR fans out there that would love to see Carl Edwards back out on the racetrack, kind of disappeared out of nowhere. Um four years ago, five years ago. Um, and nobody really knows why, uh, that is still a mystery to this day. He, he just decided to call it quits over the off season. And, um, so yeah, it'd be cool to see him in a one-off race. Great guy, great ambassador for his sponsors. Um, personally, I would love to see him get back out there with his previous sponsor subway. Um, fun little fact on subway. Do you know why subway left the sport? I do not kind of ridiculous but in my opinion um daniel suarez who took over for carl edwards um was sponsored by subway in i think it was 17 is when it was carl's first year not racing and and daniel suarez did a tv interview and he was trying to be nice or was you know just yeah i guess just trying to be nice and he brought the interviewer dunkin donuts and this ended up being on TV. Well, obviously, Subway's business model does not line up with what Dunkin' Donuts does. And Subway canned him for that. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is pretty Now, crazy. there was a lot of theories that, that Subway was upset because they lost Carl Edwards midway through the season, or uh, midway through the offseason. But uh, really kind of a cruddy way to, um, to end a sponsorship deal there. <laughs> Yeah, it almost feels like they were, I mean, obviously I don't know much about the situation, but just the brief the way you explained it, it almost feels like uh, they were just kind of looking for a way out of the sport, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, hey, Duncan, uh, we're out. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that I think, was the uh, the thought of many. Um, that, that wasn't too long after they were going through that Jared Fogel mess, too, so I think they were really um, kind of struggling in, in multiple different ways. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think they took that opportunity and ran with it. So the last bit of, uh, news that we have is, uh, Joey Gase, uh, probably not a name that we are quite accustomed to, uh, talking about here, but, um, he typically runs one of the Rick Ware racing cars. And, uh, that is usually number 51, 52, 53, or, or 15, um, they have decided to, uh, to change that car's paint scheme to 28 for the Talladega race here in a few weeks. 
um, in honor of um, Davy Allison, who used to drive the 28 car. Um, the car has a nice Davy Allison paint scheme, and um, the sponsor on that car is uh, registerme.org, and it, it's um, for an organ donor. Uh, um, what do I want to say? Organ donor uh, registry. So uh davy allison was an organ donor himself and uh joey gase has had this sponsor um sponsor for a while now and kind of a cool deal um that car is going to look pretty slick when we see it in person here in a few weeks that's uh that's a bit of personal news we we are going to going to dega baby confirmed going and this this will be Clark's first time to Talladega too. So he's only been to MIS and Martinsville, right? And Atlanta. Oh yes, and Atlanta. Yes, our last minute trip to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I think those are the only three yeah. though, which is kind of crazy because I've been to a good amount of races. It feels like. you have. Um, I think you've been to a lot of MIS races for sure, um, and then a handful of Martinsville. And man, Talladega is going to blow your mind. So I can't wait. Really can't wait. Well, that does it for our news segment, and now let's jump into our segment, In the Groove or In the Marbles. All right, first topic this week, Uh, Speedway Motorsports Inc. uh, President Marcus Smith uh, jumped on the Dale Jr. download last week, and uh, North Wilkesboro, a track that we've talked about uh, a little bit here on the podcast. Um, I think maybe we've touched on it with uh, iRacing, maybe? Is that is that about it? I, I think we may have brought it up okay. on iRacing. I definitely know that it's a an iRacing track. Okay. I don't even know that we have talked about it on okay. the podcast. So maybe, maybe we should give a little background here first. Uh, North Wilkesboro uh, was a, uh, it's in North Carolina. It was an extremely popular racetrack um, through the hell through the seventies, eighties, nineties. Um, and, and then in 1996 Speedway Motorsports bought it. And this is when NASCAR was really blowing up in the late nineties, the early two thousands. And they looked for bigger markets, uh, both TV markets and attendance markets to, to be able to show, uh, to have fans attend these races and watch these races. So Speedway Motorsports bought North Wilkesboro and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna buy it. We're not gonna, um, we're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna, we're not gonna change anything." And then it ended up being they left North Wilkesboro for Texas Motor Speedway, um, which has been one of the most controversial um, decisions, I guess I'll say, in in NASCAR history because. North Wilkesboro has always put on really good racing um, in the in the time that they had it, and then they just left it. Um, and now we see that some of these bigger tracks are not able to pack the stands where you know NASCAR and also people's viewer or uh, viewing habits used to be a lot different in the uh, '90s and 2000s. There there wasn't social media, there wasn't gaming, there wasn't all this fun stuff, right? So you used to be able to pack 170,000 people into a racetrack, and now NASCAR has made a concerted effort to to go back to some of their roots and, and look at smaller tracks and say, hey, you know, maybe we made a mistake here. How do we get back here? That's that we talked with like the Nashville Fairgrounds. That's what they're trying to do there. More short tracks. Um, so NASCAR had not raced at North Wilkesboro since 1996. 
in the middle of the pandemic last year, um, Dale Earnhardt Jr., I'm sorry, two years ago, I think Dale Jr. said, hey, I want to see if we can bring North Wilkesboro back, even in a virtual state. So he rounded up a bunch of supporters, went out and picked weeds out of the track because the, the track is in just horrible shape. The The track surface is falling apart. The buildings are falling apart. The grandstands are falling apart. I mean, it's been, what, 20, 20 years, 30 years, 25 years, right? Yeah, 25 years. And so they decided that they would at least go get it going virtually. And, um, and then once the pandemic hit... Uh, they saw a great opportunity to showcase a legendary racetrack and, and, and appease to some of the fans that wanted to see racing at North Wilkesboro. Um, and, and they saw that opportunity to put that on iRacing. So it was wildly popular. The drivers loved it. Um, I'll be honest, it's one of my favorite racetracks to run on iRacing now. It's such a unique racetrack. Um, and then you throw in like the historical aspect. It's really cool. Um, so that's kind of the backstory of North Wilkesboro. Um, I'll be honest with you. There's a there's a social media site that has said or that that campaigns for the track to come back. And I know I've replied to this dude before and said, "There's no way in hell North Wilkesboro is ever coming back." And then North or uh, then Marcus Smith made news on the Dale Jr. download last week by saying, "Quote: uh, We haven't give up on it. Given up on it." We're thinking, we're working on it. Uh, there's no promises, but we have not forgotten about it. Uh, that's the big message. Uh, if we can think of a way to make something happen there, we will. He says um, he says he wants people to know that he cares about North Wilkesboro Speedway. Uh, so I guess now that you know the backstory too, uh, in the groove or in the marbles on that? I don't see a way that you can go in the marbles on it. Um, I think it's important for NASCAR to kind of go back to, and we've talked about it a little bit on past episodes. I think it's been kind of my opinion that I think it's important for NASCAR to be going back to some of the places that uh, they kind of grew up from or they built their brand on. Um, and then just kind of left in the dust. And obviously North Wilkesboro is one of those, um, you know, they had mentioned or NASCAR had mentioned that or not NASCAR. Um, so Richard Petty had, uh, mentioned that, you know, kind of going back to dirt tracks was unprofessional. And, you know, I assume that he kind of has the same, feel of going backwards to North Wilkesboro. I completely disagree with that. Like I'm, like I'd mentioned in the previous episode, you know, we, I think it's important for the professional sports to be showing appreciation to the, um, the non-professional side of things. So to show appreciation for college sports, um, I think it'd be cool if NFL got, went and played some games at like the big house or, you know, a, a big stadium, a big college stadium to kind of show we appreciate colleges. Um, and then they do, like I said, they, they go back to their hall of fame game, um, in Canton, Ohio and play on a high school field. I think that's 
an important thing to help continue grow the sport of football while it's got some issues with head injuries and things like that. Um, I think those are important steps, and I think that if NASCAR can get, you know, if if North Wilkesboro can get back to a shape where it's raceable and they can put on an event, I honestly think it might be one of the biggest events that NASCAR puts on, um, just because there would be so much hype surrounding an abandoned track, comes back, um, starts out virtual racing, gets enough attention to where they host a race there. Um, you know, obviously... Marcus Smith's comments aren't there. You know, we're not going to get NASCAR back to racing just by him saying he cares. <laughs> um, but you you don't you don't pay the bills with emotion, right? Yeah, and that but the fact that he says that is a good first step to potentially having North Wilkesboro back up and running, and then it's how do we get NASCAR there? Um, would be the would be the next step after that. So, um, you know, I think it's in the groove that uh, he's just not saying that. You know, it's a lost cause. So, so what happens if you what happens if you decide to to fix North Wilkesboro up and and make it a, an event um, location? I mean, because because we see a lot of these racetracks like doing races, but we also see concerts or we see you know. Uh, I don't know, festivals, whatever. What happens if we fix this up and then nobody comes? See, I I find it hard to believe that that would happen. Um, just given the history, just from the you know the brief history that you had explained there. Um, I think a lot of those fans that were fans of the sport a long time ago haven't gone away and knowing that there's a lot of history around the track and now that Dale Jr. is involved in you know at least helping get it back on iRacing because the track's important to him there's a ton of NASCAR fans that respect Dale Jr. Um, and I think if Dale Jr. were to be one of the people marketing this race this hypothetical race uh, I find it no pandemic. I find it possible or impossible for them to not like sell out a, a NASCAR race at North Wilkesboro. So my concern though, is we, we run one race as a hallelujah North Wilkesboro's back. And then the, then the attendance falls off, right? Like, it's gonna have to be more than a racetrack. Um, it can't just be a racetrack because there's no way it's gonna survive. Um, it's gonna have to be a music venue. It's gonna have to be festivals, whatever. Um, uh, in the groove or in the marbles on this, though, um, I'm gonna say in the groove for the sentimental value that it holds and connecting NASCAR to its roots um, and, and and exciting a fan base um, both with 
short track or, or adding a short track and then also going back to like a, a historic racetrack. Um, but I will say I'm in the marbles on the fact that I don't know that it's sustainable. I mean, I did a little research as to where it sits with, with other racetracks and larger cities and like you have Charlotte, North Carolina, that's an hour and a half away. You have Knoxville, Tennessee, that's like three and a half hours away. Um, we're gonna have to feel pretty damn confident that we can hold this race here to to fix up the track, you know. Um, and and from my understanding, uh, Wilkesboro is not really a like it's a small town, so there's not really many places to stay either. Um. So I guess what do we do about that? And then also like we got to have, we got to make sure fans are going to be committed to driving there and, and it's going to put on a good race. Um, you're going to have the history behind it, which is awesome. I mean, I've always wanted to visit the racetrack, but um, even, even with it closed, uh, if, if they put on a race, I would buy tickets. Um, I don't know that I can commit to going every year though. I mean, like, North, North Wilkesboro doesn't really hold that much sentimental value to me. Um, now, I I do get where a lot of them are coming from, though, because so Rockingham Speedway is kind of in the same boat. They closed in 2004, and they've been trying to revive that ever since. And they, they brought NASCAR trucks there for a year or two years. The first year, it was probably 20,000 people, and the second year, it was a flop. Um, and, and they closed shortly after again. Um, but I've always wanted to see Rockingham Speedway come back because it holds sentimental value to me. It's the first place I ever watched a race or second place I ever watched a race. First time I watched a whole race and it's just a very unique racetrack. Um, but I don't know that we're going to be able to sustain a, a long-term race in North Wilkesboro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, the, you definitely have to, if you're going to put the money and time into it, then you've got to continue to put the time into it. Um, and you've got to be creative to make sure that you can sustain profitability for the track so you don't end up abandoned again. Hey, on, um, on that note of creativity, what do you think about turning North Wilkesboro into a dirt track? Like, you, you run Bristol dirt this year and next year, and however long it takes to, you know, so say they, they want to run dirt at North Wilkesboro and they want to cover it with dirt. It, it takes them however long to renovate it and fill it with dirt. What's your thoughts on that? Does it take away the history from it or, or do you think that would be a viable option for them? Because, because obviously SMI owns Bristol and they would also, or, and they also own North Wilkesboro. I think, I mean, I think that's a, that's a solid option. I think it, in my opinion, it does take away a little bit of the history of it if they didn't used to race on dirt there. Well, they they um, did, but it was only for like a couple of years, I think. Most of it's most of it's yeah, been so, Yeah, so I I would say that it does take away a little bit of the history, but I would think, um, I would think if it was marketed in the correct way, and I think that's the biggest the biggest piece of it all is. Any, any business can be successful with the right marketing, in my opinion. I mean, you see, and I, I'm not going to go too in-depth on this, but you see like a lot of um, 
multi-level marketing type businesses that are successful, which is, in my opinion, like mind blowing. Um, because a lot of times the products that multi-level marketing companies sell are uh, not great products, I guess is the way that I'm going to put it. And yet they've got salespeople, right? They've got several layers of salespeople who are good at what they do and they sell the product. I, so I, I hope they don't have the salesperson of the 66 car that's only selling iRacing sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I mean, I think it is what you make of it, right? If they have the right people in place that are creative enough to put together, okay, we're not just a racetrack, but the biggest event that we're going to put on every year is going to be a race, and we're going to have Dale Jr., who has a lot of sentimental value with the track, promote the, the race every year, and then we're going to find ways to bring – small track or uh, smaller non-professional races to uh, to the area so that we can be somewhat profitable, um, but then we can host races. I mean, like Mount Pleasant Speedway in Mount Pleasant, Michigan finds a way to be profitable with smaller race teams. Um, at least, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen their accounting books, but I assume <laughs> they're profitable. They've been around for a long time. Um, so like... I feel like that's just a way for them to one way where they can have maybe late models or, you know, some other form of racing on the track to help maybe, maybe not even be profitable, but reduce the risk or, you know, be able to bring in some money while they're putting on races and then have the NASCAR race be a big event. And then, like you said, get creative with other types of events, music festivals. Uh, you've got a lot of seating. You just have to spend a little extra money to have a sound system, which I say a little extra money, but as far as they're concerned, it might be a lot of extra money to be able to have the, the right sound systems and stuff in place there. Um, but why not make it a, make it a, maybe make it its own little town within a racetrack um, so there's, there's things to do, um, outside of racing. I think ultimately, again, it just, it goes back to, do you have people, the right people in the right seats at the right time to make it a successful event to where NASCAR continues to believe in it and wants to come back? If the answer to that is no, if you don't have the right people in the right seats at the right time. Don't do it. Don't don't waste your money. Yeah. Well, you so you you mentioned you kind of got to have the right people on board, right? Um, and shortly after this podcast came out, um, we talked about Marcus Lemonis and the and the everything that he's done for the NASCAR Truck Series. Um, he he tweeted um, the Dale Junior download and and um, Marcus Smith on Twitter, and he said, "Hey, hey Marcus, give me a call." Um, that's encouraging. Uh, usually something that Marcus starts, he, he finishes it. Um, but it also has to make sense on a business front for him. Um, shortly after that tweet, he mentioned that he is, I don't know if it was confirmed or if it was just something he was considering, um, but he was talking about putting a Camping World uh, retail store up in Wilkesboro. <laughs> so that would also be, uh, and, and it would almost be like you're going to name it 
Camping World Speedway at North Wilkesboro or something like that, and it's branded in Camping World uh, signage. The walls are blue or, or yellow or something like that, right? And so you're really driving home that this is a Camping World Speedway, um, and Marcus is putting a lot of money into it. I think that'd be the, the way that he would go. Now, if he just plans to bring the truck series there, that's a no-go because if you're going to have a big event like that, you have to bring the Cup Series there to attract fans. Um, yeah, because I don't think the trucks or Xfinity work. I mean, it doesn't work these days just to bring those series there. Um, if it was dirt, I don't... I mean, I guess if it... I, I would be okay with it if it if it was the only dirt race on the schedule and it was NASCAR's way of going back to their roots, not not North Wilkesboro's roots, but NASCAR's roots, and they actually took it and made it a dirt track and said, this is the only dirt track we're going to have. We're starting at square one. It's going to be made for dirt, and, and that's it. Um, so you're not having to worry about other racetracks filling in with dirt and, and taking that date again then I think it could really be an attraction, right? So so the Bristol Dirt Race uh, had about 36,000 fans. And I want to say North Wilkesboro has 40,000 seats, but obviously the 36,000 was at uh, limited capacity because of the pandemic. Um, so the other thing is when you, when you build a racetrack or you build up a racetrack, they're typically doing it to bring other um, businesses and um, storefronts to the area. Um, they, that's kind of the business model that they used. Um, and we talk about the business side of things a lot on here is they, they want to build that racetrack to bring people to the area. And then they want to make sure that they have something for those people to do. Um, but you got to have something for them to do, or I'm sorry, you have to have the people for year round to support them too. So the area looks pretty scarce. I've never been there. Um, I just looked up the population of, of Wilkesboro, and it's 3,400. So it's smaller than Clare from where we're from, or where we're from. And then Wilkes County that it's in has 68,000 people is, is what I believe it says. Um, you know, but, but that I don't think is um, outside of what a lot of racetracks have. I mean, we go down to MIS, and, and it's a very relatively rural area down there too um but to the example of of bringing other businesses to the to the forefront um you know we talk about talladega and talladega is um nascar just proposed this week uh bringing a new three million square foot uh business park to talladega which would be placed right outside the speedway and um so it, it can happen but Talladega has been there a long time and this is just now happening. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a risky business decision in my, in my eyes. Um, I, I think I would probably put more focus on the Nashville fairgrounds than I would North Wilkesboro. Next topic, uh, NASCAR tested rain tires at Martinsville Speedway last week. Uh, Kyle Larson and Chris, Chris Busher, uh, ran the first laps on an oval uh, for, for a rain tire test. Um, NASCAR's plan would be to run them uh, if the track was damp. They're not looking to run it in a, in a monsoon or, uh, or a hurricane. Uh, and also run them at short, flat tracks such as Martinsville, Richmond, Loudoun, and Phoenix. Um, now that last one uh, is what this topic is based on. Uh, Phoenix being the championship race, uh, for 
all three NASCAR divisional series. Uh, if the NASCAR championship race came down to running in the rain or damp, uh, technically, in the groove or in the marbles? Wow. I've been a, I've been a fan of let's get the, the cars on track during the rain, but the way you're phrasing that, it's a risky makes, makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? It's uh, equally as risky of a move as uh, dumping a couple million dollars into North Wilkesboro, in my opinion. Um, but I'm going to say in the groove on it because we have time and time again said like one of NASCAR's downfalls is the rain delay, right? There's nothing worse than getting to the track, watching two laps, and then, oh, sorry, let's go sit in the car. And, you know, it again, it does, it, they're memories, right? It's, it's always fun when you're at the track to just hang out with your friends and drink some beer, if it's rain or shine, whatever. But for TV viewers, as soon as it rains and as soon as you cancel that, race i'm moving on man i'm not sitting around watching these <laughs> you've, you've changed the channel i'm not coming back yeah i'm not sitting around watching the broadcasters talk you know i did that all pre-race you know i watched them talk and i'm not now that the race has started i'm not sitting there watching them just talk and try and work their way through a rain de- rain delay and act like we need to find some way to entertain people through a rain delay um just truly that's how I think the casual fan reacts. I mean, I can personally say that's how I react Um, when there's a rain delay on TV. It's what else is on TV or just shut the TV off and find something else to do, whether it's (laughs) get back to work or (laughs) play some video games or whatever. I'm just not going to watch the rain delay coverage. Um, And then that usually translates to if it's not, the most exciting track in the world that usually translates to me not going back to watching the race at all. Um, and so it's a good first step, um, to getting TV viewership up. In my opinion, I think it would make for some really interesting racing, uh, on damp surfaces and I could see it going wrong <laughs> if they don't do enough testing. I could see it just being a complete crapshoot, and then everybody's mad at NASCAR for doing it um, just because it seems like that's how it goes. The fans are like, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. NASCAR doesn't do enough testing, and then they, they throw something out there, and then everybody freaks out like that was the dumbest idea in the world. Why didn't we do this? There's always going to be a critic. But in my opinion, I think it's a good first step to kind of curing um, that rain delay issue that we've had. And then I go back to our Daytona episode. I know Daytona is not one of the tracks that they're looking at, but it's a first step to racing at Daytona with rain issues. Uh, you know, if we have, um, if we have, if we figure out the, the, the rain tires at shorter tracks, that ultimately segues into okay now if it's if it's damp in turn three and four of Daytona 
do we shut the race down completely or do we just throw on rain tires and run through it for a few laps and then throw maybe a competition caution and get the slicks back on when the, when the track is dried um, so that it, you don't have to go to like sit there for an hour and let, you know, air Titans just blow water off the track while poor Clint Boyer is trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. <laughs> Try to stumble um, through a broadcast. <laughs> Exactly. Like he's he's normally used to just going back to the hauler mm-hmm. and just sitting there and you know hanging out with people, and now he's got to try and stumble through a broadcast while it's raining. Um, real, real quick, let me ask you this: so you're in the groove in terms of hey, we don't have to postpone. Um, let's get these cars out on track. Uh, but what about the championship implications? Because that's more what I wanted to focus on was the championship. Yeah race um because it sounds like they could use them at at um tracks that are less than a mile or right around that mile length um where the speeds are a little slower what's your thoughts of it being used at a championship uh event it's this i think it's the same i've I've got the same kind of focus on that i guess i didn't specifically mention the championship race like i said it's definitely a risky move to like if if your championship race, you don't run rain tires all year, and then your championship race, you're just slapping on rain tires and saying we're going to crown a champion. Do you, do you think? Do you Probably think it makes a, it less legitimate though? I don't think so. Um, and in my opinion, to to keep viewership up for the championship race um, for the casual fan, I think it's a good idea. Uh, nobody wants to tune into the championship race. And then be like, okay, um, you know, I watched all the coverage. We got 10 laps in, and now I'm listening to, you know, I'm going back to the same thing. Now I'm listening to uh, Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer talk about things that are related to racing when we should just be watching racing. Again, I think it's a huge, like, this is probably the most in-between, even though I haven't said I'm in-between on it. This is probably the most in-between I've been on on a topic, but staying consistent, I think we've got to do something about rain delays. And so if it's running rain tires at the championship race to, to keep viewership and keep the casual fan engaged, I'm, I'm for it, but I think it's a horrible look for NASCAR. If the very first race that they ever run rain tires on is the championship race. Um, if they, you know, if we throw them on at Richmond and Martinsville, um, you know, given the opportunity that the weather is bad. If we do that and we kind of test them out at these other tracks and know that it's not going to be just a complete, for lack of other words, shit show uh, for the championship, then, you know, I'm for it. I think get the racing on track. Um, it's still going to take skill to be able to go out and win the championship in in NASCAR's platform for a championship usually ends up with the the final four people up front anyways. So let's just figure out who's the best racer on rain tires. And then hopefully you don't have to run them the whole race, right? Hopefully it's just one of those things where we can start the race on time, the vortex effect shows up, <laughs> the the rain goes away, uh, we have a stage break or something where the air Titans can get out there, 
get all the water off the track or maybe maybe the rain tires helped dry the track and uh next thing you know we're racing the championship race but we didn't really miss a beat um we're we're not losing those viewers while while it's raining or 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 cars are off track yeah okay and i think it's important to make sure that if that your championship race gets ran on the day that it's supposed to get run on i mean the people at the track sure they're out there for the championship race but i mean people have jobs (laughs) i mean they're planning on this thing happening on on sunday and if it doesn't happen do, do half the fans that are in the stands or more than half the fans that are in the stands have to go uh, and not not stay for the championship race? Obviously, it's in Phoenix, so chances of us experiencing having to slap the rain tires on is already pretty low in the middle of the desert. But it can but happen. I don't hate it as an option if we ever get to that if, point. If, you're, if your town's in a drought, just call NASCAR. We'll take care of it for you. Um, I am also in the groove on this. Um, of course I'm in the groove with the fact that, um, we're going to race the, um, the race on time. Um, we're not causing fans to, to miss the race at the track or, or on TV. Um, that is a home run in my opinion. Um, kudos to NASCAR for, for taking the initiative. And I think what really showed them they could do it is when they ran at the Roval last year and it was pouring down rain and the rooster tails weren't awfully bad i mean you couldn't see to begin with anyways in in some of these cars so what what issue was a rooster tail right um so 100 percent in the groove um for them getting the race in for the fans and for uh, or the fans at the track and on tv um also in the groove for uh running a championship race um in the rain these drivers are touted as the best in the world um and if that means that they sometimes have to run in the rain, then so be it. Um, everyone has the same conditions at the same time. And if it starts raining, um, I, now I, we talked about this with the Daytona road course. I don't feel NASCAR should throw a caution. I think that rule should change if we're going to do this to, to where they shouldn't throw a caution if it starts um starts drizzling i mean if it's going to start pouring obviously that's a safety issue if you're out there on racing slicks but at the same time you have to add that strategy in my opinion into the race so so the drivers can incorporate that um drivers and teams can incorporate that so i think it all just factors into strategy of the race being the best driver being the best team um, and, and really adjusting to the conditions, you know, so I'm all for it. Um, I don't think it should be a clause of, okay, all the way through the season, if it starts to rain, we're going to put rain tires on. Oh, but wait, cause it's the championship race. No, 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 we're not going to do that. I don't think it delegitimizes it at all. I think it actually adds more legitimacy to it when you can have that extra element of how good is this driver? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, 100% in the groove on that. I, I hope they hope they roll forward with it. Um, they did say they will not use it at Martinsville this weekend, and they won't use it at Richmond next weekend. They're they're going to be doing some further testing on it. 
Um, but anything that we can do to get rid of some of these rain delays and postponements, count me in. <laughs> count me in. Yeah. And I, I want to throw a quick one in here um, because my phone is dying. Okay. Uh, we've got 6% left here. Um, but just really quick, do you think if we get to this point where rain tires are an option at, let's just say, let's just call it 80% of tracks, do you think NASCAR goes to say, okay, we're going to add another crew member and they're going to be like a weather type, <laughs> have like a team, weather team man meteorologist? On, yes. Or is that just kind of the crew chief on the crew chief? Like, hey, give this guy another monitor right. so he can he can monitor. Um, <laughs> I think that would be the the role of the crew chief and the car chief, um, and and lead strategist for the team. I mean, I think it falls into the strategy realm of things. Um, that's an interesting question, though. I, I like that because yeah, I mean, if it becomes something where on a week to week basis you might have rain you better have all the strategy locked in place for it. So, um, but I, right. I, I think, I think course, it goes with the lead strategist as a, as a whole. And of course, weather patterns are not, uh, not super predictable. Like if we get on the, if we get on our phone right now, right. it probably says it's going to rain on, on Sunday, but it's, uh, the actual likelihood of it raining is like 4% right. Right. because, you know, weather people are, have the, have, have Great have the best job there is. Of, <laughs> yeah, you can be wrong all the time and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to plug your phone in real quick? I can't because I've got the headphones. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Classic Apple. So that's kind of why I was okay. saying we need to be. All right. Well, we'll try to finish her up here quick. Um, last topic of the night. Uh kind of goes right with what we were talking about there uh watching a race in the rain as a as a fan um in person in the groove or in the marbles hell i'm in i'm in the groove on it man i uh not everybody's like me i'm sure a lot of fans will probably leave the race anyways (laughs) um but i think a lot of the people who are there for the experience will love it right like you and i go to the tracks just to have a good time uh we enjoy it you can drink you know make a whole event out of it if it starts raining perfect (laughs) you know let me have it i'll uh you know if it's pouring and lightning i'm probably not going to be in the stands if it's pouring please, please stay in the stands if it's lightning (laughs) <laughs> if if it's pouring i'll probably be in the, like if it's just downpouring which obviously we've said they're not going to continue racing if it's like monsoon right but if it's dumping as much as it possibly can for them to continue racing and there's no lightning i'm probably going to stay in the sands might end up on tv as the guy just like ha- hammered in the stands beers. pouring down rain <laughs> <laughs> yep, just shotgun and beers because it's uh, it's an awesome experience that you don't get with every sport and you don't get to do it. Like, especially the first time it ever rains when we're at a race and they throw rain tires on, 
not a chance in hell I'm leaving, right? right? You're, you're making, you're getting excited about it at that point and making an event out of it so that it's one of those things that when you're 90 years old, nobody ever looks back on their life and said, man, you remember that one time when we were at the race and it started raining and we left. <laughs> right. Like that was, that yeah. was awesome. You, you only, you only <laughs> YOLO once. So, so for me, um, I'm, I don't think I said it yet. I'm in the groove. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's the consensus on that is it would just be a fun, you know, fun experience. If, if every race we go to, it rains, I might start getting annoyed. Um, but if one a year, if we go to, if we go to three or four races a year and one of them's raining, sweet. Yeah. Uh, I'm also in the groove on that. Um, if I think it's kind of like the rite of passage that like, if you're, if you're sitting at a football game or a baseball game, uh, conditions are not ideal. Uh, I think it goes the same way with a race. Like if you can sit out there in a poncho and, and still drink beer and, and enjoy the race, even while it's raining, I mean, that's something we've always asked for. We don't, we don't want to be huddled under the grandstand as it rains and we don't have cars on track and we wait for the track to dry. We've been there. It's not a lot of fun. Um, so I, I'm all for it. Um, we're kind of um, wimps in, in that sense that we didn't really have to have to deal with um, with it raining and, and watching our or I didn't you know watching our favorite sporting event. Whereas like like I said, you go to a, a U of M football game or a Tigers game or something, and uh, you might get a rainy day, and that's just part of it. So or or being outside at Lambeau Field when it's negative twelve, um, you can look back and say. Yep, I was there that day. Um, I, I've had that happen at Martinsville before. It was 30 degrees, coldest race I've ever been to. I was drinking coffee instead of beer just to stay warm. Um, but I, as I just mentioned, I can now say that. I was there, and it was um, 30 degrees and, and windy and cold as hell, and um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was me and me and my buddy Logan and, and our dads, and, uh, yeah, most clothes I've ever wore for a race, that's for sure. So... Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we didn't see any snow that day, but it had to be pretty close. <laughs> yeah. That would be wild to be at a race while it's yeah. snowing. That's something that you don't, you don't experience. Yeah. I think so. we had, I think we had like neck warmers or like face warmers on too. It was, it was pretty wild because as the sun went down, it got even colder, you know? So, but, uh, but hey, I think that ends our segment uh, in the groove or in the marbles. Uh, I know we're racing against the clock here. Make sure your battery doesn't die. So uh, why don't we jump into our fantasy preview this week and uh, finish her up? Sounds good to me. I'm uh, sitting at 4%, so we've still got a little <laughs> bit of life here. These iPhone batteries, it seems like the last like 2-3% just go longer than the other 90-98%. Yeah. They, so. they should for how much they cost. Yeah, so picking back up on the fantasy standings, I know we mentioned this last week. Uh, there was the, the Easter Bunny 500 uh, <laughs> in between last week and now, and it changed the point standings zero. Uh, Derek is still up 256 to 143 in the point standings. Um, and I get to pick first this I, week. I went and got the value pack of... Uh cans of whoop ass at sam's club so <laughs> i get to go first this week uh with 
it being a new quarter. So Ooh. to go back on the rules here, we are one quarter of the way through NASCAR's regular season, which obviously it's 26. That's not divisible by four. 26 races, not divisible by four. So we did seven races. Then this quarter will be six. And then quarter three will be seven races. And quarter four will be six. So we're on race eight here. So it opens the field back up. We can pick whoever we would like, regardless of if we've picked them in the previous quarter or not. However, Derek cannot pick the same person, the same driver as I do this week um, still. So he's, I'm picking Martin Truex Jr. I'm sticking to my strategy here. I think it's going to... I think it's going to turn around for me. It's like a, you know, a bad gambler where they just keep doing the same thing and the, it's basically the definition of insanity where you know, you're you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Uh, as as Kenny Rogers so said, I'm, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Yeah, and I'm not giving up on it yet because it's a long season and I think this this strategy that I have is over time, going to pay off. So I'm picking Martin Truex Jr. at Martinsville. Uh, he has two wins in the last six races there, four top fives in the last six races, five top tens. Uh, his low finish is 22. So, you know, he's, his worst finish is just outside of the top 20. Um, he has led in the last six races almost 750 laps at Martinsville. And like I said, he's got two wins. So uh, zero poles though for Martin Truex, but he's he's uh, kind of been the king of Martinsville in the last six races there as far as laps led are concerned, as far as wins are concerned. Um, so how do you not bet on a guy like that? I know he's not having the greatest season in the world, but how do you not bet on a guy like that here? The next line of the Kenny Rogers song uh, is you have to know when to walk away. And uh, unfortunately, you haven't. Well, fortunately for me, you haven't found out how to do that yet. Uh, So you can keep with your strategy, uh, but I'm going to keep with my winning strategy. And and you don't need to know what that is. Um, And even though we can pick uh, new drivers this week, I'm actually going to go with my man Brad Keselowski in the uh, the number two car this weekend. Uh, I feel like he has a great shot to win at Martinsville. Um, I can't remember what the time frame was. I think it was the last four races. He's led 496 uh, laps. And I think he's going to have a dominant dominant showing at Martinsville this weekend. Um, Put that team back on the map and... Um, yeah, just continue my dominance. So, uh, you keep rolling with your plan there, pal. And, uh, I'll keep, I'll keep checking out, uh, build my lead here. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was honestly between, uh, Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex for me. Um, I threw Joey Logano as kind of my third pick in there. Um, so I think, I think those three really, it, I, I could see that being a podium finish for for those three. Um, I mean, just they've all – all three have dominated there over the past six races at Martinsville. Between the – between uh, – I'm trying to do some quick math in my head, but between the three of them, they've 
They have led about 1,800-plus laps. They have four wins between the three of them. Out of the six last six races, they have, uh, let's see, they have seven... 12 top fives in the last six races between the three of them. So um, I would not be shocked to see a podium finish be Martin Truex Jr. one, Brad Keselowski two, and Joey Logano three. Well, those stats you just read off there sound like my iRacing stats. Um, but <laughs> yeah, let's not, get, let's not get carried away. Um. Yeah, I hey, I guess we'll have to see what uh, what the checkered flag holds on Saturday night. But uh, yeah, I feel confident with my man Brad Case. So, um, sweet. Yeah, I, I'm looking for looking forward to pulling away more here, pal. So, well, you're not going to, and I I'll tell you what. If I if if Martin Truex Jr. God, I don't know what I'm getting Uh-oh. myself into. Oh, here. we got a little side bet going on here. If Martin Truex Jr. wins, you have to buy me a grandfather clock. Oh, a grand- oh. <laughs> it, it can be a miniature grandfather clock. Okay. I don't I don't care what it is, but if if Martin Truex Jr. wins the race, not beats you in fantasy, if he wins the race. You have to buy me some sort of grandfather clock. If Brad Keselowski wins the race, I will buy you some sort of grandfather clock. And, and of course, the reference there is if you win at Martinsville Speedway, uh, you win a grandfather clock. So, Clark, with the uh, little side bet, I'm not sure where we're going to find something like that, but I will definitely accept that trophy after this weekend. So, uh, yeah, sweet. I, I'm down for that. down for that little side bet. Um, with that being said, Clark, you got anything else before we head into uh paperclip weekend here? I do not. Perfect. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to, uh, catch up on the show here tonight. Uh, especially after you, uh, reminded, we reminded me, we probably should do a show. Um, thought we had a lot of good content, even, even for not being really, um, prepared to do one. So, um, Hey, we'll just keep it rolling, and I know we have some new listeners out there, and uh, we appreciate you guys checking in. Um, but uh, hey, we uh, we didn't get uh, to any questions tonight. We we would love some more interaction with that. So if you can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to shoot over any questions you have, uh, we'd love to answer them on on air here. So uh, Twitter uh, at in the fans lane, and uh, Instagram life in the fans lane. So. Uh, please be sure to go give us a like there and, uh, we'd be happy to, to discuss your questions on air. So, uh, but for this week, uh, for the life in the fans lane podcast, uh, my name's Derek and he's Clark and we will talk to you next week.